Now, over the past many months, Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can, in fact, succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder and we left it all out on the field. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. Welcome to Why Are We Like This, the podcast that treats Florida like the active crime scene it is. Sunday, emergency edition, a uh, short turnaround, quick jumping on the on the call. Of right, course, right, I'm joined right. by my um, by my co by my co-host Tomas Kennedy. Tomas, how are you? My Sunday, the day of rest, disturbed with good news <laughs> that we have to gloat on. So here we are with the boys. Uh, sadly, on such short notice, uh, Gerald Doherty could not join us. Um, he is otherwise indisposed. Uh, but in his stead, we have once again returning guests. You have heard from him uh, recently on the show, Ryan Ray of Tropical Depression. Hey, Ryan. Hey, um, our our long statewide, very brief national nightmare is over. It was very brief. Let me read uh, exactly why in case um, by the time this comes out, you are still in the dark and don't know why it is we're convening last second on a Sunday with no prepared script. From ABC News, Ron DeSantis ends presidential campaign before New Hampshire primary. He made the announcement on social media quickly endorsing Trump. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is ending his 2024 presidential campaign uh, after failing to outtake uh, to overtake rival Donald Trump rival. I, I would put that in quotes. Donald Trump in, uh, in the same way that like miniature golf is still golf uh, in polling or in early voting. Uh, DeSantis made the announcement in a video posted to social media on Sunday with less than 48 hours until voting in New Hampshire's primary, the second state in the nominating race. Quote, we don't have a path to victory. We don't have a clear path to victory, DeSantis said in the video, which he said was uh, filmed in Florida. Yeah, we'll, we'll see because that he's been taking a lot of shit over that. Um, his lack of presence, which I, by the way, think is good. <laughs> Keep him the fuck away. Yeah. Uh, yep. He then endorsed. He should get us. He should get a summer and winter place in uh, in New Hampshire. He then endorsed Trump, a primary opponent whom he has increasingly criticized on the trail. Quote: It's clear to me that. A majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. While I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci, Trump is a superior to the uh, current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. So that's where we are, guys. It's Sunday. It's 3.30 p.m., and um, our governor is no longer running for president. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm about to go off. I'm about to brah, brah. <laughs> Okay. First of all, this is actually, I think, in, to some degree, bad news because I wanted this to keep going. I wanted this to extend into Super Tuesday. I mean, I don't see how beyond that, but hopefully beyond that, like the public display of humiliation, the content, the discourse, the dialectic was so good and it was getting better. And now it, it's true, David. Now we have this douchebag 
back in the state, nasty, mean, vindictive, petty. And guess who he's going to take it out on? The rest of us. All and, of us, and yeah. I've, I've been saying this to a lot of people. I mean, I, I think I've tweeted about this. I've written about this. I've talked about this. The Florida legislature, if you think they're going to grow a spine and, and it's going to be like the Rick Scott era with the legislature at odds, I, I hope to be wrong. You got another thing coming, man, because they are all going to line up. Maybe it's not going to be as insanely like fascist and right wing. It's still going to be pretty bad. The guy just, DeSantis, endorsed Trump. The fact that he called him Rob, you know, dismissively, <laughs> lightly getting his name wrong. There's going to be so many funny. We got we got to come up with that. So when we have a little more time to think the 10 funniest moments from this campaign and yeah. getting called Rob has to be up. There, I, right? I loved it. The Sanctus, the Sanctimonious, Tiny D, Deep State Ron, Meatball Ron, and immediately goes and endorses him just like we said he would. So they're all going to line up behind Trump, and and it, 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 the zeitgeist will keep marching on until November. With, with a historically unpopular candidate who's old as shit on the Democratic side, under real threat of losing, That I mean, we've, we've talked plenty of shit about that guy in this podcast, but anyways, depressing. Yeah, Tomas has, uh, has situated us exactly where we need to be. That's right. Um, it's unbelievable. Um, this... You know, I, I remember hearing so recently Who would have thought? <laughs> that that DeSantis was anointed by God to be our president. So I don't know if this represents a second thought or, or, or this is part of the process in God's plan to make DeSantis the president. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's working out terribly well right now. Yeah, it's pretty the, the breakneck speed of which at which he's endorsed this person that he has spent literally years now on the war path with. I was just talking about earlier today. Um, the war against Susie Wiles, who was one of the first to dab on the governor uh, and, and wave, wave goodbye the day before he dropped out. Um, years um, torturing people in his own inner circle, his own little commentary here at the Florida P GOP, weeding out the Trump people. Um, at length, having proxy battles within the state party over party rules, uh, these these little no-name House and Senate members endorsements, vetoing their projects, all of that stuff, years and years of acrimony um, in, a, in a seemingly principled crusade to, to change the Republican Party away from what Donald Trump represents. The chickens are coming home to roost, bitch. <laughs> Look, let's talk about Susie Wiles. I think, I think the, the, the listener needs a little bit more context. So Susie Wiles was is a longtime Republican operative, very linked to Trump. I believe she ran uh, his uh, 2016 uh, Florida operation. And for the listener that might not remember, Ron DeSantis, when he was the GOP nominee for governor in 2018 against Andrew Gillum, was caught completely flat-footed. He yeah. started the campaign by saying that Gillum was going to monkey this up. I mean, it was terrible. They brought in Susie Wiles to correct the operation, build the infrastructure, and set him on a path to win, which he did narrowly, but he did win. And what did the DeSantis people do? They immediately sidelined her. They blackballed her with all the Tallahassee shitty, corrupt, swampy consultancy firms. They got the Trump people to turn against her, and it was until the Trump and the DeSantis people started clashing that Susie Wiles was brought back into the Trump sphere, mainly just as a backhand to DeSantis. Don't feel bad for any of these people. They're all pieces of shit. But what Ryan is saying is, right, this is a guy that is 
conniving, backstabbing, just inspires no loyalty from his underlings and his cronies, will step on any head to get just a little bit higher. And you might, listener, you might be thinking, sounds like you're describing Trump. And I am. But you know what? Trump is hilarious for yeah. better or worse probably well worse. there's a there's a clear there's a clear difference yeah. every story that you heard of uh, i don't know if you guys followed this too much the the like there was a whole interesting sort of sub beat to the trump uh administration which was reporters a couple of reporters and media people would just hang out at the the trump hotel in dc and it was a cast of like a menagerie of maniacs coming through trying to do different like you know influence currying and some of it was so blatant overt obvious but the one common thread was it sounded and felt like everyone was having a good time they were all doing corruption they were all doing horrible shit and they were all you know getting like uh orb money for saudi arabia and like the most horrible like you know weapons of massive like just terrible horrible things happening in in there but they were having a good time and everybody was enjoying themselves. Everybody was getting laid. Everybody was getting drunk. And it was a party. It never felt like DeSantis for all of the sharp elbowed uh, uh, positions that he would try to take that would try to you, – you could tell he was trying to ingratiate himself to Trump voters, trying to make himself seem like a Trump. It never seemed fun. Yeah. It never seemed like something you wanted to be a part of the way that Trump to a certain segment of about half of this country – does have that appeal, that it's fun, Look, that there's people having a good time behind the scenes. Look, last year, and Ryan, you, you were great in, in uplifting this with the Florida Squeeze and you know, and other mediums. We put out a billboard directly in front of the governor's uh, mansion calling him a dork and a loser, I believe, with the stupid fucking Dukakis like, pilot helmet on. And the, the Florida – I mean, people found it hilarious. It went viral. I'm not saying it was going to like – swing anything or whatever but you know we did it because it's fun and to make fun of him and to we're trying to you know like set like a standard of like this guy is a fucking loser so just call yeah. him a loser don't take him seriously which was the trump approach and it worked the photo political establishment lost their shit at that billboard on both sides to be honest mostly republican but on both disrespectful oh, the, decorum 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 tomas decorum guess what the billboard <laughs> was <laughs> foreshadowing what was to yeah. come we were proven so right to put that stupid fucking billboard you know what i mean like they yeah. were all a bunch of dorks hyper online losers that faced no opposition in the state from democrats and the moment they were slightly challenged in the national stage crumbled and i i, I want to spread the blame here and we can go further into this jeremy redfern dork loser Christina Pushaw, dork loser. Brian Griffin, dork loser. Jeff Rowe, dork and a loser. Okay. Oh, a, a historic loser. Yeah. Jeff Jeff Rowe is the one that 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 jumps to mind. Where I saw a list recently where it was like Jeff Rowe was held up as this celebrity consultant, this guy that it's like the fucking the Midas touch. L listen to the list of, of 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 absolute fucking winners that he's that he's had. Adam Laxalt, Carlos Sands, uh, Dave McCorm, uh Jim Lamont, Josh Mandel, uh, Martha McSally. Twice the, this guy is King Midas. If it was shit, if if what you touched turned to shit, that, that was a real that was a real junk drawer there. But I know he got he got paid off all of them. Well, they, yeah. they, they all made a lot of money, right? 
But I, I do want to give a little bit of grace to all these like incompetent losers, hyper online losers that train wrecked this campaign. The principal, aka the candidate, DeSantis, was also a loser and awkward yeah. and just had zero risk, like none. So there were no ingredients there for, for, for us to cook, for anyone to cook, right? Like it, it, it was right. just an, you could not cook with what they had. It was yeah. always destined to fail and to fail quickly. And again, we yeah. predicted all this. Yeah, it's turning chicken shit into into just shit soup. Like it was not you know getting rid of the the chicken altogether. Um, I, I will say that we were not the only ones. Like the, the although we were no. we we were you know calling it no. pretty early. Anyone with common sense saw this coming. A lot of people did. But I just wanted to like as as a bit of a a little bit more well organized um, post mortem. Uh, Politico magazine actually ran a few days ago, like two days ago. An, an op-ed by Kurt Anderson and Alex Castellanos where uh, the, the headline is, the DeSantis team ran the worst campaign in history. And in no uncertain terms, they they, they break it down. They, they have section on, a section on strategy, on the money game, on talent, on the big con. But uh, I'll just read a little bit from, from the, the lead of the story. Tim Pawlenty and Scott Walker's presidential campaigns can breathe a sigh of relief. The mantle of worst Republican presidential campaign ever has been lifted from their shoulders, stolen by the crew that ran Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' campaign into the dirt. As usual, revolutionist, uh, revolutionist histories are being written even before the candidate has been officially buried, although now, yeah, fire off those guns, boys. With DeSantis and DeSantis staffers and apologists offering a variety of nonsensical explanations. However, we uh, we need no gossip from inside sources to understand what happened. The debacle played out in broad daylight. They go on to list mostly what Tomas and Ryan have, have, have been laying out. I read that article. Um, and I, I will just from the lead, I will disagree on this. Tim Pawlenty and Scott Walker, who, by the way, we've always maintained that the future of DeSantis is to be Scott Walker. Just huh. weirdo loser that gets like, you know, sort of fades into the background. They were not like the presumptive nominees. They did not right. have $200 million in the bank. You know what I mean? Starting off, they did not have the support of like the all of like or most of the GOP establishment, you know, mega donors. They, did not they have- didn't have the richest man in the world harnessing his media jewel that he had just yeah, overpaid for. Literally. Uh, to to. No, I, and, and no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about uh, uh, Elon L- giving him this like fucking what we thought would be like an innovative, interesting new way to announce your presidency, no. and just another fucking chapter of incompetence yeah, but, of like of of failure yeah. and derision, something that you can laugh but at David, and point at. He also had literally like the Fox News machine completely behind. They wouldn't book Trump. At the beginning of the campaign, if you remember, right. I'm on the sidelines. So, you know, one thing that I kind of regret in the beginning, I don't regret it because it was funny and like a good juxtaposition. And, and a lot of other people did this. People were campaigning him to Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush ran a, a disastrous campaign in 2016. Way 10 times better than what DeSantis did. Right. Ten times more yep. discipline. Ten. I mean, he he went past South, like until what, like past South Carolina. I think almost to Super Tuesday, maybe. Right. Yeah. Anyways, just I think it honestly might be the worst major presidential campaign 
in history, right? I think it. Well, you're you're right because if you remember the the police clap, I think police clap was in the wake of of disastrous um, Super Tuesday. So that means that he at least had gotten that far. Yeah, and and, and, and and yeah, it was like losing all of its energy, but. DeSantis ended um, rather darkly with a Winston Churchill quote, um, and he he should have he should have made the reference to his famous House of Commons uh, remark that never was so much owed by so many to so few. <laughs> I mean, I don't think as much resources, goodwill, um, Republican juice has ever been wasted so spectacularly as what we're looking at today. The amount that, no, no, you could not, if you were in create a player mode, you could never build something with a base of support geographically with the billionaire whisperer thing that you mentioned, Ken Griffin, um, Elon Musk literally hyping you up even before he runs on the, on the basis of this 19 point victory statewide. Two, this man raised $200 million to run for re-election as governor. That blows away anything we've ever seen before, um, ever. So, I mean, the amount that he has blown through with so little result is truly just statistically mind-blowing. 30, what, like $33 million in Iowa to lose by 30 points? One milli for every point he lost by is crazy, bruh. Anyways, we, we gotta talk about this, and David, I think we should go back to the episode where we referenced this and, and, and clipped some of the audio from it. Because, again, it, we, we were right on. I hate I, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but we were so right. I hate being right like, all the time. The, hate being right all, all the, the time. time but on this, we really were. The, the disastrous launch on Twitter with the long silences, the rabbit hole into obscure right-wing policy obsessions – the lack of like the, the shitty audio quality, the lack of a visual for them to clip, you know, in video in, in today's digital like you know ecosystem. I mean, at first, teenagers, oh, the, teenagers on TikTok the, are doing it better. Yeah, the, like going live with better production value. The website than, that they launched that night that was just mobile only, and when you, and when you refreshed. His little head symbol on the on the on the browser would like bobble. Would bobble? <laughs> Just, like there was no way that like there was no way that that was gonna recover from day one. It, from day one. So much money spent, um, Ryan. To your point, what I worry the most about because um, this is fucking whatever. This is bullshit. This is stupid. We can have a conversation maybe about like what kind of um, what kind of whether it's a uh, fire and fire and vengeance, uh, DeSantis that comes back to Tallahassee or a tail between his legs, DeSantis, and how that affects, you know, the, the like super majority Republican, um, House and, and Senate there. But what I worry about more is closer to what you were talking about a minute ago, which is what are the lessons if you're Ken Griffin and you decided this was going to be your first campaign, your first cycle, I should say, where you're overtly like vocally, not just with your money quietly behind the scenes, but vocally getting behind a candidate. And you're like, I like what Trump does, but I need somebody. I'm a, I'm a button down guy. I'm a business guy. I'm serious. I take myself seriously. I need somebody who's like, not a joke. I need a guy like DeSantis. And this was what you got for your money. If you're Elon and you're like, well, I need a Trojan horse to put in my fucking, 
Western chauvinism, it, it, you know, that I'm trying to push into the world. Uh, and the best one is probably this normie guy. Maybe not the guy who's been talking shit about me in, in, in media and setting his, you know, unhinged people after me. What do you learn from this? Because I don't think it's going to be a good lesson. Nothing. I don't think it's going to be anything that it's going to be like, oh, well, you know what? Let me let me become more obscure, more uh, removed. Let me become uh, a little bit more like Charles and David Koch, honestly, where let, let me found something and create something no. that's going to live past me. Let me create a heritage foundation. Let me create a, a federalist society. Let me create these pieces of enormous machinery that are bigger than just me and my little, you know, hedge fund, my little $20 billion hedge fund I, here in Miami. I think it depends on the, on, on the character. I mean, with someone like Elon Musk, it's, just, it's actually interested in like the clout and like the protagonism, whereas Ken Griffin, I see him sort of in between, but like, I mean, I think I can get myself in the mind of these people. And to them, it's just like high risk, high reward, right? Like billionaires see themselves as like, Oh, everybody else is a pussy. Like I took a risk with like, you know, my, daddy's like emerald mine money and like you know invested into paypal whatever so they're just gonna say like okay bad investment on to the next one i honestly think it's as simple as that yeah i guess in a, in a lot of ways yeah. everybody was pre-programmed to do what they're going to do and there will always be money in somebody who who will do something like that just a big deregulator um but i, I for me a lesson that i learned that not, not that they'll learn but an interesting lesson is that the money can't buy it you really can't force it, you know, in places where people aren't paying attention and there's no popular attention, like in the corridors of Tallahassee shit and these low, um, uh, these low turnout state legislative elections, the DeSantis machine can operate. But when it's exposed to national or major public um, uh, scrutiny, it'll, it'll fade away and people will hate it. Um, and I think that maybe the lesson for the richest to, like you said, yeah, operate, operate more in the margins, operate more quietly. Do, but do they have to? I mean, why? <laughs> As pushback gets less and less, you're right about that. And to, and to them, to everybody okay, but, involved okay, here, they can match, write this off. Yeah, match this against the and the, the most annoying libs, the most annoying Florida libs on my timeline have been trying to extract meaning out of this the last week. But maybe there is some meaning. Take couple this and couple what you're talking about with the recent result of I believe it was what is it House the uh, Florida House District 35 mm -hmm. that was supposed to be 50. I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing here. Keep me honest if I'm wrong. It was. It's a 58-42 Republican-Democrat district, but a, a, a Democrat just won. I don't know who the hell he is. He's yeah. not in my notes. DeSantis won the seat. Yeah, DeSantis won the seat, interestingly, by 12 points. So it is quite a flip for, in these <clears throat> terms. So when you couple those things together, and if you look at that as a barometer, which is always stupid and dangerous, but if you were to look at that single election as a barometer, is there something bringing us back to our core of what this show is about? Is there something in the groundwater that is turning in Florida at all has it has, has any of this woken people up and maybe Tomas, we talked about this offline and Ryan, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed on it, but I have a, like a little bit of a theory that, that, that abortion on a ballot can, can, if you're thinking a, in a partisan way, if you're thinking as like a Democrat hack, it can actually be bad for you because it allows a lot of people to just sort of say, take that one issue that they find super, a lot of, generally conservative people that one issue that they find a little bit you know gross and they don't want to they don't want to think about like telling women what to do with their body and they can say oh no i voted for the ballot and now i can vote for all the republicans i want that's fine it gives them a permission structure i don't know i'm thinking that people are becoming a little bit more complex and maybe a little more nuanced in the way that they approach their fandom like i can be a 
fan of Trump because that's what this shit is turning into. Yeah. It's turning into team sports. It's turning into who's who, who – yeah, oh, yeah, team Trump has the best receivers, but I really like the defense on on, on team DeSantis. You know, like it's, it's, it's becoming that stupid, and I'm wondering if this changes the composition of that at all and maybe – I don't know, creates some kind of opening for something good to happen in this state. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is overcorrection. Like, I, I think Florida, honestly, is a red state at this point. Clearly. I but I don't think it's like a 19-point swing, you know, for like a gubernatorial. Like, I don't think that's normal. Like, I don't think that's going to be every election moving forward. So I think there's just like an overcorrection of just, you know, the 2022 cycle that was underfunded, like bad leadership, bad candidates. But do I think that we're on track to like win statewide or I don't know why I'm saying we because I'm not a Democrat, but for Democrats. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Don't forget old habits. But um, for Democrats to win statewide in 24, like probably not. But I think, you know, Democrats will maybe get out of like the super minority in the House, in the, uh, the House of Representatives, in the state chamber, definitely not the state Senate. Um, You know, I just... I just don't see it. And in terms of the abortion thing, I mean, I, I I both agree with you and disagree with you, David. I think it's like a net positive for Democrats, definitely. Like, I think it's going to help, like, you know, give give some momentum, some impulse to, to down-ballot candidates that are in, like, marginal close races. But there's going to be a lot of ticket splitting. There always is in Florida. So a lot of people, like you said, that vote for the abortion referendum will go and they will vote, like, Republican or right-wing um in in other choices so it's it's not the silver bullet right and, and florida democrats have always looked for sort of these like silver bullet solutions whether it was like amendment four or medicinal marijuana i mean they didn't even want to touch the minimum wage one right they didn't even campaign for it really so that was a missed opportunity but yeah ultimately i i think you know again it's an overcorrection things will probably get better for democrats moving forward for now but i i just i don't think it has enough juice to fucking you know beat rick scott in 24 like i, I would i just want to i want to clarify i want to clarify my own stance on that by the way i think that codifying um women's uh, right to choose and women's uh uh reproductive freedom i would i would trade that for like uh, every democrat getting kicked in the nuts for the next like six cycles or whatever i don't give a fuck like what because what have they done who gives a shit they put us in a situation where that's up for debate anyway so you know what give me the ballot measure if if if, if it's a choice or something like that but well, well, Ryan, but, but my say? point is i do think that the ballot measure ultimately you know just objectively speaking will lift all boats like you, you think it lifts their boats yeah like yeah broadly okay and, and you know, the the only thing that could stop that is if Florida Democrats or, or, or hinders that is if Florida Democrats actually make it like like I think individual candidates can run on that. But if the state party and like surrogates and party operatives make it like, a, oh, you know, like we're going to win because of this, that could turn yeah. off NPAs and 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 independence and i tell you because I, I worked on the amendment for campaign, the rights restoration for, you know, people with former felony convictions. And one, one of the biggest strategies was like this. We cannot make this a partisan thing. We cannot talk about Democrats, you know, uh, benefiting from people having their right to vote restored because it's going to turn off a lot of those independents and, you know, people that don't like that sort of discourse. And, you know, that, that won. I just want to say something really quick, Ryan. I want you to talk, but I just want to make a comment that like with your low resolution um, broadband right now that we're getting out of Ryan, he looks... He looks like a Kelsey brother, 
right now. On the, on the, <laughs> oh my god! His video feed makes him look like uh, the skinnier Kelsey, the Taylor Swift Kelsey. I'll give you that. You look like the, like the T Swift Kelsey. You look very handsome, Ryan. You, you, look, very handsome. you, look, you look very handsome in HD too. Thank you, thank you. What were you going to say, Ryan? Sorry. Oh no, not at all. I've always thought of myself that way as uh, the other Kelsey brother. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I'll be the sucker who thinks that, that there's good news that's possible. Although, in Tomas's appraisal, we're really not that far apart. Ryan, I mean, Ryan is, Ryan is just saying that because he's Leon County Democratic Party. <laughs> <laughs> guilty, guilty as charged. Well, I'll be, I'll, I'll be the sappy one who says, I think between Donna Deegan winning a difficult uh, and toss up uh, Duval County, Jacksonville mayoral election, and the Keen Machine. Uh, winning in Orlando uh, and AC, you know, AC 35 with some really great people, work that people did on the ground there. Um, I think that it's good news. And I, and I agree with Tomas as well. That is kind of a correction. Like the pendulum swings, <laughs> even if it swings uh, two thirds of the way back to the middle, we're still very far to the right. And, that, and that's troublesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we have to have a bipartisan approach um, in mind in general. I mean, if you look at this House 35 uh, special that we had, or maybe I should say transpartisan or non, nonpartisan, um, because, yeah. you know, 70% of NPAs voted for Keene and really powered him to victory there. And, I, and, and we look at the abortion ballot amendment, we're going to need 60% to prevail there. So you can't do that with just Florida Democrats. So you're going to have to get everywhere. So I think that we all agree that there's a lot of nice terrain and material to work within of people that are not hardcore Republicans, you know, Dems are going to, as, as Tomas says, Florida Dems going to Florida Dem. And, that, and the, certainly that's true. But I think that people that are not Republicans or not even hardcore Republicans are, cannot be feeling good about what's going on right now. I mean, we know that there's a, there's a, there's chaos and crisis in the party right now with the last chair going down and this crazy moms for Liberty threesome, whatever that was disaster. You've got, I think from what I understand it's financial troubles at the RPOF level right now. So, and, and, I, and I'll go ahead and make my <clears throat> lock of the week right here, my prediction. I actually think that we are going to see movement. Corey Simon, State Senator Corey Simon, Republican, is going to lose in 2024. And that does break the supermajority in the State Senate. So, um, you know, I, I, my, hot, my, my hot take is that better things can happen, and they might. Super. Keyword supermajority, not majority. Yeah. Look, oh, no question. Maybe, maybe not, you know. I don't know. What I can tell you is in 2016, the Florida Republican Party was messy. The Trump campaign was is messy. And I I I have bring I have no joy saying this, but Florida voters are about to get a massive hit of dopamine in the brain when when Donald Trump campaigns cuz they oh they're going to they it. fucking love that shit. I don't know why they fucking love that shit. And on the other side is a candidate that's too old, does not campaign well, is pretty unpopular. I, I mean, he's polling in the mid-30s in Florida. I'm talking about Biden. So he's like, just like the abortion referendum is gonna, you know, like give some impulse, some momentum to, you know, Dems, Biden is gonna counteract that. Like for real, like I'm not, I'm not trying to be flippant or funny. Like that's just. No, he's going to pull it down. He's going to pull it down. I think it's. He's a drag. He's a drag. He's going to see. I think it's going to happen nationwide, but in Florida, that's going to be augmented. That effect. So we'll see. 
Look at us. Corey, Corey, Corey Simon, uh, another Philadelphia Eagles legend, just like um, uh, one of the Kelsey brothers. But sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I just I think that we're, we're kind of we're on the same wavelength, I think. I think that, you know, when you're talking about activating left of center voters or unaligned voters, these ballot initiatives are crucial because in many ways it's not competing with Democratic messaging. It's competing with nothing. Right. So anybody that's that's the only thing engaging with anybody in many locales um, that that's not, you know, the MAGA line. So I think it'll be interesting. You know, I think that Florida, you know, the I fight back against the, the, the conventional wisdom that Florida is center right because I watched Obama win the state in 2008 and 2012. And now that's been a while. And, and I've seen the same arithmetic that everyone else has seen. But I would say I agree with former party chair Al Cardenas who recently tweeted the other day, if there was ever an opportunity for Florida Democrats with what's going on right now, it's now. Baby, that was that was 11 years ago and a whole pandemic ago. I will say that my, my, my opinion is that just based on what I know as people, I like spend a lot of time around a lot of people and it just feels like Florida is becoming a different thing than the traditional blue or red state. There isn't like, we're not, we are, I think we're a red state, but we're not like Alabama. We're a red state where things like marijuana and, uh, and, and, and minimum wage and like a living wage and abortion rights can pass. And I think that we have to start. Uh, I, I, I want to end this by asking you guys a question about Ron DeSantis. Wait, wait, like Alabama. A Democratic senator was elected in Alabama as a Democratic senator lost in Florida. <laughs> Please, Please. That, yeah, that, yeah. What, what, what was? How, how much? How many? Uh, fuck. How many? How, how much? How many Pentagon budgets did they spend to get that shit? Through, like to get what's it for? All of what? Doug Eighteen Jones. months from Doug Jones. Doug, Doug Jones. Jones. Yeah, fuck that shit. I don't. I, I don't even believe in that shit anymore. These special elections that are like, oh, it's it's a milk toast Democrat against a, a fucking child rapist. Like, okay, what are we gonna like? How, what kind of meaning can you really withdraw? Yeah, like, I, 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 I I still would have. I mean. Uh, to, to Still would have voted for the other guy. No, the other guy. Guy. that's a spicy what take, Thomas. I would have voted yeah. for Doug Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that election, and yeah, I would have voted for Doug Jones. <laughs> all to all, just to lose to like one of the most mediocre SEC football coaches in the uh, who's in, who's blocking. Well, was blocking, you know, was blocking the appointments, which I thought was. I, I don't. I disagree with his reasons, but you know. So okay. I don't like monetary. Is all I'm saying. I want to. I want to try to end this uh, special episode by asking you guys. Um, you know, assuming that Francis Fukuyama is, was wrong and that there will be history 30, 40 years from now. Uh, what are the history books in like for in thirty, forty years from now? We only got a couple of years left, I think, of Ron DeSantis in public life. I think after that, he's going to become some other Tucker Carlson kind of thing, right? He's got two years of left, two years left as a lame duck um, uh, governor. What is, what is it? Scott Walker, right? And exactly. So you could say like, oh, well, what is Scott Walker up to? Exactly. Eating, Nobody fucking eating knows. a fucking ham sandwich. Obscurity. <laughs> eating a ham sandwich. Um, That's the thing. He, he and, eats a ham sandwich. He said when he was governor, he ate a ham sandwich every day for lunch psychotic yep. weird that's madness that's like uh who's the guy from georgia that that uh every day said he had birthday cake every tom day Cotton. remember for breakfast tom Cotton. Birthday cake. Um, he runs every morning so he could eat his birthday cake these, for breakfast. these people weird. sound self-actualized and very normal they're living their dreams 
I don't like it. <laughs> Ryan, what is what is uh what is the what is what does the future say have to say about um Florida's whatever governor? What was he like? Forty first governor or whatever. What 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 what's the assessment after? Is it Scott Walker? Is it like twenty years later? People are still trying to fix. Or I'm thinking of uh, Brownback in in Kansas. People are still trying to fix all the shit that he did, and it results in Democrats kind of taking over for a really long time. I don't know. What do you think is What do you think is the the legacy that DeSantis? Is? I, I I will say you know on a serious note, he's left a legacy of a lot of damage. You know, he's negatively impacted a lot of people's lives. A lot of cool people who call, called Florida their home have left uh, because of it. Whether they're uh, migrant workers or whether they were um, people who just didn't want to work at a university or at, a, at an institution uh, under these conditions and all that stuff. Um, and, and, and so many negative outcomes that we're still charting. I mean, the end of new college as we knew it, uh, the ta- you know, the, everything like taking over Gainesville's public utility by fiat the way that it was done. I mean, there's any number of public policy tragedies that have happened. Um, so I think that is really his legacy. He, he has irrevocably, irrevocably broken some things uh, in our state in a way that may never be able to be put back together again um, in terms of just normally providing services, which is, after all, what Florida state government should be about, not uh, not, not launching a horribly failed campaign for governor and Republican primary. But I think that the money cannot buy it. The weird freaks, your Heritage Foundation think tank type people at James Madison Institute, that is nothing uh, compared to a cult of personality and an authoritarian like Donald Trump. I think that's one important lesson that we learn. Um, and that too, um, you know, you still got animal magnetism uh, still matters. You still got a retail politic. Maybe that's my counter. Uh, maybe that's my counterintuitive take is that you still have to be a real person uh, that, that connects with people in order to do this stuff. No, yeah, you're you're a hundred percent right. Retail politics. Look who's in the fucking White House right now. A empty suit retail politician. Like who that's... increasingly can't can't retail. Yeah. I'll tell you my take on this. So, you know, I think DeSantis's main legacy is gonna be of being like a dork and a goofball. But aside from that, on a more serious note, you know, I think he injected this sort of like European style, like right wing politic where you know unlike the more like libertarian small government you know facade that right-wing conservatives have traditionally held in the in the united states since the reagan era which has always been bullshit i mean george w bush was the person that inflated the federal bureaucracy the most after 9-11 with dhs and you know ton patriot act a ton of other stuff desantis it it was a big advocate for conservatives to finally come out and say like, no, we believe that the government is an instrument for us to bludgeon and force our ideas on the populace, whether it's through intimidating the media or using the bureaucracy or whatever else, again, to impose our ideas on a public that necessarily might not want want them. Trump, I think is too, was too undisciplined and did not have the know-how to do it as effectively as DeSantis did it in Florida. So I think think in terms of just like, you know, like political theory or, you know, whatever, yeah. like, I think that is something to explore, like, you know, talking more seriously. And then, you know, in terms of, I have to think more about this, but in terms of like a political figure and how they're, they're looked back on, I would say... I think it's George Wallace. 
who not a Florida man, an Alabama man, but has a lot of historic ties, you know, with Florida, actually, if you, if you time, know, time has not Florida. treated his legacy. Well, it's, I yeah. think, I think that George sort of Wallace like, participated, George Wallace did well in Florida in his primary exactly. back, back in 64. Oh yeah, exactly. And, and you know, he was, he had a lot of political ties to the state. Uh, I mean, people forget Florida is sort of like the uh, Confederacy's like, you know, unmentioned state, but you know, they were part of the Confederacy. I mean, Right, we work. still have we still have connective tissue when you think about like yeah. Matt Gates, his father Don Gates yeah. reaches back to and that he's still an active presence, yeah. kind of like that. That is still there. Yeah. So, so I think just like in 30, 40, 50 years from now, I think like historians and the popular zeitgeist will look at DeSantis with that sort of like distaste and re- repulsion that you know is usually present when people talk and study George Wallace. I think that's a great assuming, assuming he assuming he doesn't get his way and assuming that like, you know, it's not him and his ilk that write the history books um, 30 years from now, you know, but you know, I think we're in a period of managed decline. I mean, who knows what the United States will be like in 50 years, right? Uh, you know, yeah. I think that like, I, I think that like George Wallace, I think that's a really apt, uh, that's a really apt comparison. And I think, interestingly, we have a situation, uh, a modern parallel right now, which after Wallace, uh, well, he was very popular and locally uh, reelected by huge margins um, and given PNs uh, and Leonard Skinner's songs and all that. When he turned out, his wife, Lurleen, was elected governor. He said basically it'd be a third term for him and he'd stick around as her dollar dollar a year advisor, right? Right now in 2026, we have Casey DeSantis running for governor. And I think that we will all sort of uh, navigate with the meaning of that and negotiate it uh, ourselves in these elections. That That's speculation, uh, listener, but it's well-founded speculation that is very likely to come true. I did want to clarify God, that. I, I look I, out I, for I, that. I will say also, people forget Ron DeSantis was uh, he had a Leonard Skinner song written for him during his 2022 camp, uh, campaign. It was called Sweet Florida or some shit like that. And it was <laughs> terrible. That's all right. That's a deep cut. Yeah, you're right. It's so bad. Uh, hopefully, the, hopefully the conservative like instinct towards hating women comes in handy one time and they just don't elect Casey. Uh, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I would say like, just what I've Corky seen in the last of Matt Gates, who's also running. <laughs> yeah, Matt. Uh, Corey Simon, as I still have him up on my Google uh, results page right in front of me. Uh, I, I feel like the the state has gotten smaller and pettier and meaner, and I don't just mean that in a governmental sense. I mean that like it is the the policies that DeSantis championed and and put out there, specifically starting with like I would say the summer of COVID. It, it's it. It changed. It really has changed the state, and it's not just the policies. It's the 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 downfield, the downwind results of it. The way that it turned people, normal people, non political people, meaner and angrier, and it turned everybody into a fucking HOA president. It turned everybody into a fucking immigration a expert. Everybody, to, everybody became this petty little mean tyrant. In, in, in such a short period of time, and it all came from the sort of, you know, during this period of time where Trump was largely quiet, right? Off the radar, after January 6th, he was like posting on truth and shit like that, but he was out of Twitter. Nobody was really paying it. He, 
DeSantis was the animating factor for po- for political culture down yeah. here. And as we all know, politics is replacing culture rapidly, and it's becoming culture, yeah, which David, is disgusting. And, and something that's that's a great barely, point, David. Something that's barely talked about too is aside from all like the right wing fascist, anti immigrant, like xenophobic, you know, corrupt pro corporate legislation, depositing of the state of Florida as sort of like free Florida during the pandemic and like come enemy of woke. Yeah. No, no, I'm not talking about that beyond the partisan lines, beyond the culture battle. The fact that they were like moved to Florida, free state bastion. You know what that did? It fucked up the economy of the state and exacerbated the already ongoing cost of living crisis because simple economics folks, when you have a shortage of housing, and the political inability, the lack of political will to build true affordable housing, not a luxury condo with 5% of units, you know, affordable through like a lottery. When you have a shitload of people moving in and lack of housing, that inflates prices substantially. So that is something that people don't talk about also in terms of just how they used the state in the pandemic era, a sort of like, you know, a, a, a political like landmark, you know, a political tool and decalibrated the whole fucking economy. And we are now you know, try, living through these through the, through the exacerbated cost of living crisis that's ongoing, you know, and, and, and getting worse and worse all the time. Through this whole country from fucking Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Monticello, New York, fucking Bakersfield, California, there's a class of people who who are very well off they're not like the ken griffins of the world but they're really rich and their main job is basically like extracting rents they own mitsubishi dealerships or they own you know mcdonald's franchises and shit like that and they don't actually do anything they're not worth any they're, they're worth money but they can't contribute they're not the kind of people that you want in a community that and desantis's last three years of his governorship has been a lighthouse begging all of those people to come. Oh, do you have, are you 55 years old? And do you have like a net worth of $8 million? And well, come on down to Florida, come live here. They, we can, they can't make you wear a mask here. They can't make you pay taxes here. Like, come on down. And uh, they, all these people, the funny thing about these people is they all think of it that of themselves as masters of the universe, hyper-competent, hyper-capable, because they made all this money. But ultimately, they're just consumers. That's all they are. They can't help. They can't contribute. They can't bring anything useful. Most of them don't even know how to fucking prepare for a hurricane and become a huge fucking liability after June every year. And, they, and that is the people that Tomas is talking about that have come here. The pettiest, smallest, meanest small business tyrants that are worth five to $10 million and have enough money to buy a, a house in fucking Tampa or a house in, in, in somewhere in Hillsborough County. And like, that's what we've got. That, that's what we're becoming as a state. And that, in my opinion, is what his fucking legacy is. It's mean turn. Completely nailed Vape it. Drop. Vape drop. <laughs> All right. So folks, if you're listening to this, it's a shorter episode. Um, I'm going to get this up right away. There might be, an updated version where I'll drop in, try to find some of our audio that we've talked about in the past and drop that in. But this one, I'm just going to cut real uh, quick and dirty and I'm going to put this up. So, um, so 
check back with us. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about this with Gerald and more guests in the future. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining we're us. We're going to gloat about this. for <laughs> We're going to be gloating for a while. Episode, so. Yeah, we're going to do a little victory lap here because what else do we have to fucking celebrate? Yeah. This, is, this is our Titanic, yeah. Wow, cool. Like Trump versus Biden. That's exciting. Oh, yeah, that'll be great. Save them up. Bring a fucking book. <laughs> <laughs>